Hello and welcome to Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I am so honored to have with me today, Heather Schott. Heather Schott is the senior pastor of Mercy Culture Church in Fort Worth, Texas, alongside her husband, Landon Schott. They have been married for 17 years and have three children, Peyton, Preston, and Porter. Heather is also the founder of the Justice Reform, which is a nonprofit justice organization. Heather Burns for Reformation is a voice for the voiceless and is leading others to be the same. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So excited to be with y'all today. It is an honor. I really, really respect the work that you are doing, Heather, and recently ran across it on social media. And I just know that my followers are going to love your mission (laughs) and the heart behind your mission. So very excited to hear you um, share with us today. Look, I understand that your life didn't always look like it does right now and that you have quite a redemption story. Could you share your salvation yeah. testimony with my listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. So um, my parents were divorced when I was about two years old. My dad was a drug dealer and drug addict and beat wow. my mom up pretty bad when she was pregnant with my Um, my brother. And so I grew up in a divorced home and every other weekend, the courts uh, gave my dad rights, even though he was dealing drugs out of the house. And so I grew up with cocaine parties and girls in and out and um, just pornography, drugs is, you know, was a a lot of my childhood um, on the weekends with my dad. And so, uh, you know, the other weekends with my mom and soon to be stepdad that my mom remarried was a Christian home healthy food, church on Sunday, get your homework done, bedtimes, or you had on the other side, a dad that let you do whatever you want and eat whatever you want and do whatever. And that seemed so awesome to a kid's mindset. So by the time Mm. I was 13, 14 years old, I was already dabbling in in drugs and alcohol. By the time I was 17 years old, uh, it was actually around 15. I moved in with my dad. Uh, My mom just said, if you think the grass is greener on the other side, go try it. And she didn't know that I'd really had plans to fully dive into this lifestyle. A lot of anger from my childhood that I was, um, you know, struggling with and drugs became my outlet. And so 17 years old, I totally overdosed, um, from partying one night. And, um, as a, as the guy that was giving me drugs that night is driving me home, I begin to foam at the mouth and he thinks, Oh my gosh, she's dead. I gave her these drugs, you know, I'm, I'm going to be held responsible for this. So he turns the car back around. Grew up, I was um, raised in North Seattle. So he drives the car back down to South Seattle, drops me off in an abandoned apartment uh, just for dead, like trash, just leaves me there, takes off. I was left there for three days with no recollection. I believe with all of my heart, I was dead. Um, it wasn't until three days later that I gained consciousness for the first time. Um, and one of my best friends from that night, long story short, school had tracked down my mom, tracked down my dad, that tracked down my best friend that was with me that night and had that guy lead me back to that spot. And I gained consciousness for that first time hearing them fight in the living room of this apartment because they both believed I was dead. And um, I just remember trying to wiggle just to get to that door to let him know, like, don't leave me, don't leave me here. And he must have seen me move. He comes and picks me up 
brings me home next day, I go into uh, the doctors for testing and everything. And I'll never forget the doctor's face walking into the room. And they said to me, you're a walking dead woman. You should not be alive. You have more drugs in your system than which you kill three grown men. I was real tiny, skinny um, at the time from all the drugs I was doing. But I'm telling you this, this fear of God, I didn't realize is the fear of God came on me like it had not been on me for years. And the Lord at that moment started a series of miracles. Um, I write about it in my book on Scarred. I'm actually re-releasing it with a lot of new things that I put into it. it wow. um, into it. Um, this June, I'm re-releasing it, but it is a story truly of the supernatural and redemption of God just reaching down and doing miraculous things in my life of ripping sin and addiction <sighs> out of my life. Three months after I overdose, I meet my husband, who is a pastor's kid, raised up raised up in the house of the Lord, moves of God, invites me to church. I'm standing there, never been to a church like this in my life, never knew how real God was. And I feel his presence when I close my eyes and I just begin to melt in the presence mm. of God. I said, this peace, I've never felt this peace in my entire life. This wow. is what I want my new obsession, my new addiction to be. And mm. I became addicted with the presence of God. I mean, overnight, it was just this beautiful transformation that God did in my life. Wow. Excuse me while I gather myself a, a little bit here. Um, I, I didn't know your story. I knew you had one. Uh, we all do. Uh, I knew you had kind of dramatic one, but I had never heard it actually. And so I'm, I'm a bit shocked. Um, and, and you've opened up a whole can of worms that I honestly would love to bring you back and have yeah. you do an entire episode on uh, because you opened up the can of worms of the broken family court system yeah. and how children are being victimized through the family court system and placed Absolutely. in dangerous and harmful situations. This ended up being, uh, it sounds like in your story, the thing that led you down this destructive path that you were not yeah. actually in the care of the protective parent, but in right. an abusive parent, a parent that did not Absolutely. care. So, wow. Yeah. Um, Let's do that one later, okay? Yes. <laughs> I wish yes. I wish I had time, but I, I don't have time to talk about that right now because there's so much rich conversation to have with you right now. Um, just thank God for reaching down and rescuing you the way He did in such a powerful way. Um, and and it, now I understand why you're so passionate about human yeah. trafficking, which we'll and get to. I was to. just gonna say that so much of that brokenness that I went through, um, that oppression that I went through, and then experiencing the tangible, just overnight deliverance, supernatural power of God and freedom is literally the fuel in me that everybody needs to experience this. It's in any kind of bondage. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still delivers, heals, and sets free today. So yes, yes. Amen. And then this, uh, man that you met a, uh, pastor's kid ends up yeah. becoming your husband and you all have a family together. Tell me a little bit about your family journey for a few moments. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my husband was really my, became my mentor instantly because I was a handful, you know, at first <laughs> for sure. He always says, the Lord said, <laughs> 
you're going to disciple her for the first two years. And then he graciously says that I've been discipling him ever since. I don't know about that. We're both (laughs) still there for each other. But, um, you know, we've been married for 17 years, have three beautiful children. Mm. Um, You know, our family testimony is probably a whole nother episode. Also, I will share this. We had about 10 plus years of pastoring in all different positions um, in big churches across the United States. And we came face to face with the spirit of Jezebel over and over. And at times it felt like, Lord, (laughs) are you sure you're for us? Are you sure you've called us to this? Um, Without realizing that God was really, really creating this stance for righteousness, Um, not just justice, but justice and righteousness, which I would love to share in a second on those um, two (laughs) words. Um, But uh, really creating a backbone in us that I believe is huge for what we're doing right now. Um, But even reforming what's happening, not just in the world, but within the church. And that's part of, I believe, why the voice has been lost in the church is because the sin and the idols in the church. And so for about 10 years, it was confronting um, great leaders, men and women of God um, in their sin and in their leadership. And so um, the Lord kept us through that season. Um, We lost a couple of of babies. We miscarried is probably some of the roughest years of our life. Same. Um, We had... Yeah. Same. I literally lost a child during a a church split. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously we, we know that that spirit of Jezebel, there was a child sacrifice, you know, that took place. So it's interesting sometimes when you're submitted in those atmospheres where the leadership is operating in that spirit, the amount of Mm. miscarriages and things that, that take place. So there's definitely spiritual warfare around it, but Peyton, our first daughter, Peyton needs spiritual warrior and Olivia means peace. And I'm telling you, the birth of that child was so celebrated, so many prophetic words um, and brought so much victory to us personally. And then just her birth really opened up so much uh, the beginning of what we are are now doing. Mm. And so, yeah, 17 years in of marriage is beautiful. It's never been better and loving kids and ministry. And um, it's been really important that we do family and ministry together. And that our children, and I think that this is something that was on your heart that you're sharing with me, but everything that we're doing now, we do as a family. And so it's not my husband leaving us and the kids so that they hate, you know, God for taking daddy away. Um, We feel we're called as a family to do what we're doing. Wow. I love that. I, um, I think some people see me in this season of life. My oldest is 23. My youngest is six. Um, I have 10 children. I've homeschooled them for 20 years. They have Mm -hmm. been my absolute obsession. Um, You know, other than, than the Lord, um, nothing has come before them. And I think people see me in this season Mm -hmm. of life and all that I'm doing and um, get an impression maybe that, that I haven't had those 10 kids under toe, <laughs> under my wing the whole time. And man, I have, I always felt like yeah. if I couldn't do it with them, I can't do it. You know, yeah. that's just, it's not my season for that. And that has yeah. always been my message to mothers is to be careful that you do not allow ministry to, um, 
pull you away from the greatest mission of discipling your children because we don't want to lose our children in the process of trying to reach the world. Now, how are you balancing everything? Um, Pastoring and having a nonprofit justice movement, which we'll talk about in a moment, is enough to put most people out. So Heather, how are you uh, balancing, you know, the Lord, marriage, motherhood, and ministry? So the very first thing is I think a lot of people experience burnout and their excuse is that sometimes they're doing too much when I think the truth is they're not filling up enough. And so what we call uh, the vision of mercy culture is taking people from corporate encounters to daily personal encounters. And this also just crushes religion that I believe has been a disease in the body of Christ, that it's all about coming to church and encountering God on a Sunday. And it's like, absolutely not. It's it's not a performance on Sunday. It is all about the presence and we don't have church for the lost or for the saved. It is for God. And when we have um, a Sunday set where it's all about pleasing the father and his presence is there like that, it brings every nation, every tongue, every age and miracles happen, you know, and people become what obsessed, just like I did at 17 years old with that presence. And so Sunday doesn't fill me up enough. And I need more of him on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And when I'm constantly filling up and when my number one priority is um, that time with the Lord and I'm raising my kids in that and my husband is doing that, we are healthy people. And then God begins to share with us what his desires are for us individually and as a family. And so when I'm constantly seeking the Father's heart, it's very evident what God is calling me to do in this season Mm -hmm. and what I'm supposed to focus on. There's so many beautiful opportunities that come. But if I say yes to everything, then somebody that might be really called in that realm isn't walking in it because I'm overstretching myself and saying yes to something that God hasn't called me to do right now. And so um, it's really, really important that as you have this intimate relationship with the Lord, as a mom, um, that you are hearing the voice of the Lord. And Mm -hmm. look, the the Lord doesn't just speak that, that curtain was torn, right? We know that that pastors and leaders and the priests, Um, he speaks to all of us. And so I love to encourage moms. Don't wait for a prophetic word or for your pastor to tell you what you're Mm -mm. supposed to do. Seek him daily. And then all of a sudden you have that conviction. Whoa, I'm stepping out. I'm doing something because my identity is caught up in this. And, and no devil what? in hell can stop you. Yeah, absolutely. And then we, right. we start to put other priorita- priorities before um, what God has really called us to prioritize. So when you hear from the Lord, you just hear and you obey. And that's simplifying it um, because when you hear from him, it's so easy to focus and say yes to what he's called you to and to say no to other things that you're not called mm. to in that season. So good. A spirit of religion definitely has wanted to silence women, um, as you yeah. as you mentioned earlier. And I love what you said about um, just intimacy and getting your marching orders from him. I I, I have come out of a season yeah. where mm-hmm. I used to live in such a way that I almost had to get permission for for hearing God's voice um, from yeah. from 
men in leadership over me and uh, that this has been a journey to learn that the veil has been torn and that I can hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, And so, wow. Okay. uh, Let's do a series of podcasts. How about that? (laughs) That would be, that would be another whole session right there. Um, So let's talk about a controversial topic for a second. Many in the church believe that women should keep silent in the church. And of course, our beloved scriptures are used uh, to teach that women should keep silent. Talk to the listener for a moment that holds to this uh, belief and uh, help them into your understanding, because certainly you are not silent inside um, your church where you, you and your husband are pastoring. So I understand that there's, you know, we all know that there's a scripture where Paul is saying this in, in the New Testament. And I believe a lot of people will just read a scripture without understanding the history or the moment or the church and the times he's speaking to. And it's really, really important um, to not take one scripture out of context when all throughout the word of God, we see women leading, women speaking into men, women governing, women prophesying, um, women birthing, you know, um, uh, women as the first herald of Jesus's um, you know, resurrection, yes. uh, multiple times that God used women and not just new Testament, old Testament. I can't get over Deborah, the fact who was a judge and prophetess where, um, where it, it's really, and it's not just men, it's a lot of women that will believe this way too. And you know, what's really funny is when we moved to Texas, I was, you know, we're, we're moving to a new state that we never lived and we're, we're about to pastor and, you know, moving into Fort Worth, and I was blown away by this spirit of religion because it's the same thing that the, the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees, you know, walked in. It's that same right. spirit that's always trying to find something to tear apart or how God can move or who he chooses uh, to move and use and speak through. Or and <laughs> yeah. And so here my, my husband has a book on homosexuality. He has a book on the spirit of Jezebel. And I have a book on being an addict, a drug addict. Nobody has a problem with that, but we have pastors calling us up and their first question without introducing themselves is, do you, you, do you believe in women preachers or pastors? And I remember my husband's face just like, first of all, can you just say what your name is and introduce yourself? That'd be great first, but just the, the, wow, that this is, this is a stronghold, um, Mm. for sure that people have taken this one scripture out of context. Well, if you take that one scripture out of context, then you have to remove all of the other examples that God used and moved mightily Mm. through women. And so it's, it's really, again, this distortion of scripture to use scripture to back up sin that we want to, that we want to walk in. Right. And, um, so it, we're, we're pretty passionate about empowering women in our house mm. and not just empowering, but raising up women voices, women leaders um, in the house of God, business women in every realm, um, because God has chosen to speak and do miracle signs and wonders through women. So who are we to argue with God who he chooses as a vessel to speak and do these wonders through? So why did Paul put that passage there, do you think? I, per, I don't uh, permit a woman to speak, he said, but to learn in silence. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was speaking to um, 
disorder that was genuinely in the church. He was speaking to women that were out of order, that were standing up. I've been in plenty of services where somebody will stand up in a service and begin to shout and what draw attention to themselves away from what God is doing. And so he was calling out disorder that was in the church that he was speaking to. And in the same way that we are going to call out somebody that's drawing attention to themselves in a service today to bring order, to make sure that everything that we're doing is glorifying him and not ourselves. And so Paul was actually um, giving us a great example of of bringing order um, to the church. And he did this in multiple other ways. He did this in multiple other ways. It's just the most famous one is pointing out um, these women that were out of order to be in order a deep dive into the history surrounding and the context surrounding that uh, passage is, is really needed in this hour. Um, and I know recently I ran across a couple of sermons by Chris Valatin that really rocked me on this subject about the yeah. subject of empowering women. And he did such a deep dive into the history. It was so powerful. Um, My husband has a couple also, and uh, you know, okay. I know that there's time is, is, is of the essence in this. And so we could probably do an entire episode on that also. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I, be wonderful. There, there it's are needed. some great studies, books, sermons that can definitely pull apart, just like you're saying the history. And the, and the spirit of religion that is honestly trying to uh, silence women because we are a threat yeah. to the forces of darkness. Um, so how did you get involved in justice work as if you did not have enough to do girl pastoring mothering um your your husband is a pastor i mean again that is so much to carry already yet you have a whole nother what some would consider to be a full-time job in in the area of justice work talk to us about your nonprofit organization Okay, so the justice reform, the vision of it is answering the cry for justice by bringing reformation from city to city. Reformation means this. It means making the crooked ways straight. Mm. And so the justice reform is all about um, carrying the heart's cry of our heavenly father of injustice. And uh, I that you know what the actual root word for justice and righteousness in Hebrew and Greek is actually the same. It's the same word. And I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. I'm sure there's many more that can pronounce this better than I can. But it is dikaiosune. Okay. So this word is the same word for justice and for righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard a lot of churches that are obsessed on preaching righteousness, yet there's no stance for injustice. They won't speak up on abortion. They won't speak up on sex slavery. They won't speak up on racism. They won't speak up on so many of the injustices that we are seeing um, right now because it has become a political topic. And I just, that honestly frustrates me so much that the body of Christ has adopted these injustices as political topics. Uh, They are not political topics. They are injustices. And if the word of God says over and over again that we serve a just God, 
the Bible says that his throne is built upon righteousness and justice. Mm. There's a lot of churches that are obsessed about going into the throne room, into his presence. And I'm like, if you are that obsessed of going into that place, which is beautiful, that holy of holies in his presence, you can't come out without a burning flame and fire for justice. Because every single time I go into that place, I burn more and more for those that are, um, those that are enduring injustice. Yes. And, and this is where the body of Christ has to be the solution because yes. you can't have justice without righteousness. This is why we see in our nation right now so much perverted justice. This is why the cry is not being answered because a perverted world is not going to answer the cry of injustice that's taking place in our nation right now. Uh, justice and righteousness have to go hand in hand. Mm. And so um, that is what the justice reform is about. Um, it is about answering that cry. And uh, it is with a biblical foundation, which has been really, really fun because a lot of these different um you know, uh, organizations that are in this realm, they start off Christian, but they want government funding or they want support from their city. And all of a sudden, don't say the name of Jesus. We don't want these biblical values in there. No, you can't have spiritual gifts in there. No, you can't. And so we have seen this breakdown in this realm, which we don't even use the word social justice because I believe it is purposely right. boxed in all of these injustices separately when they all are intermingled and it takes yes. the body of Christ to have a voice in all of them. Um, and then as we have a voice, he, what he, what were his vessel, he begins to funnel those solutions uh, to yes. the body of Christ, where I believe we're, we're going to see a really beautiful outpouring. Yes. Revival, but revival should bring reformation to the streets. Revival was never meant to stay inside of the house of God. I believe that that's what culture wants. They want us to stay happy in our churches and our four walls. But if it's true revival that we're to experience, it's supposed to go outside of the church and reform the streets, reform neighborhoods and families. Mm, amen. And I saw a video that you uh, filmed where you were explaining the concept of these massage parlors and the women that are being trafficked through these. It reminded me of a campaign that um, I led a few years ago uh, where a massage parlor was coming to our area. They intentionally put the massage parlor um, across the street from a high school, believe it or not. I mean, disgusting. And we really um, just went to Facebook, honestly, and began to make some phone calls and began to comment under their posts about the massage parlor coming to the city. And we went after the city and they went in and searched the building and searched the home of the owner and made arrests. And that parlor never opened up Come in on. our community. And so our hearts are, are so similar. Um, and I am assuming that um, that type of work is why you are starting to do these houses. Tell us about the houses, the justice reform houses. I'm so excited yeah. about this. So we call them the justice residences and it was a long time ago over 10 years ago i was at a women's conference heard a missionary up on a platform talking about this thing called human trafficking specifically sex trafficking and she began to tell the most horrific stories i'd ever heard in my life about babies mm. being raped and found in trash cans that were raped by oh, grown God. men multiple times and i mean it was i i oh, just began God. to weep 
just weep. I never heard anything like this in my life. I fell to my knees and I literally just felt like this, this call from the Lord fall on my shoulders. Um, it almost felt like this whisper, like you, you're going to be um, a part of tearing this industry down, taking this giant down. And it was wild because it's my first time really hearing about it. Uh, but I was never the same from that moment. I just began to educate myself. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if this is really true, then how can I live my life with a blind eye not doing anything? Um, and I, I think that that's a huge attack from the enemy on everybody is, oh, what are you going to what are you going to do? But you just gave the most perfect example of saying no, that not being built across from a high school. And when you use yeah. your voice to say no with a group of people, all of a right. sudden the city has to listen. And um, and so it, it was in this moment that it dropped on my heart. It was probably a couple months later. I'm on a run. And that specific day, I did not feel like running, felt really tired, started to walk home. And the moment I started to walk, I have a full on open vision. And in the vision is a sea of runners. And it, the runners had, instead of numbers on their backs, usually having a race, they had faces on, mm. on their backs. And all of a sudden it zoomed in to one runner and it was the face of a child. And I instantly knew that these people were running to set free um, mm victims out of sex slavery. And I heard the Lord ask me this question because I was tired that day of running when he gave me this open vision. He said, what would keep you running no matter what? Whoa. And that's when I had this open vision. And so my husband and I began to pray and I really felt the Lord say, you're going to put on these races around the nation. You're going to raise the funds to open up long-term restoration homes. The wild thing is, is I had no clue at that time. But if you look at the Industry, you know, the solution for human trafficking, the huge void is these long-term restoration homes. We have safe houses, which are amazing. Um, after the rescue, they go into a safe house for, you know, sometimes if they're lucky up to 30 days, usually they have like seven to 14 days um, because mm. there's just not enough beds, even in safe houses. <laughs> after that, they have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go. There's very few. There's only, I think about 800 and some um, literally long-term beds in our nation. Yet we have millions of slaves in our nation alone. Oh, I mean, how do you and take so, a, a completely broken life and restore it to any measure of, of, uh, functioning, you know, independently in 14 days? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that type of abuse, there's absolutely no way they, they don't know how to fill out an application. They don't, they don't have a resume. They don't know how to pay a bill. They don't, they're, they're, they're they have no clue how to function in life. They've been, just been in, entrapped in sex slavery, raped multiple times a day, every Gosh. single day by men. And, and now we're going to give them seven to 14, maybe 30, if they're lucky days to get back onto their feet. And so oh, what God. this, what this sends to, to those in this slavery is there's no hope. You're not getting out of here. You better make it the best and climb the ladder within this realm. So then right. that sends the message. Of, oh, that's what they want to be doing. Look at they're They're trying to traffic these other girls. You know why they're trying to do that? Because they're beaten mm. a half inch of their life. This mm. is, this is the only future they've been told because if they get rescued or somebody comes in, police come in, there's nowhere for them to go. Our local sheriff, um, who's super supportive of us. We love them so much. They just did a sting operation a few weeks ago, rescued 80 girls. We all celebrate. And he goes, oh, don't get excited too quick. There's nowhere for them to go. Oh. So the majority of all of those girls go right back to the streets. They go right back into the trafficking rings. 
Um, and do you think they're ever going to try to get set free again when their pimp or whoever is going to be beating them or killing their children or threats to their family, you know, whatever, all of the extreme things they're going to be facing. And so this is why we need these long-term residences built, yes. not just in Fort Worth. This is just the first one. We need them yes. built across America. And then we need them built into the nations because what these residences mean is it means hope for their freedom. And then mm -hmm. that hope for their freedom gets to lead, lead to their restoration. And then that restoration, the end goal is raising these women up and future for even uh, men is sending them out as reformers into the areas that they feel called to. Yes, Heather, I'm so passionate about this and I, I'm going to be asking the Lord what I can do to help you fundraise for this effort, you know, because Thank this you. is also attached to abortion guys, these women Absolutely. who are trafficked. I have literally seen women Multiple going abortions. in who, yeah, they have the, 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 uh, pimps have to cover their tracks and have to keep yep. the woman employed and they utilize abortion to keep her employed and to cover their Absolutely. tracks. Um, Absolutely. I, I witnessed myself a woman, uh, get dropped off by a man at a Planned Parenthood. She goes in, he drives off. She sees mm -hmm. us outside praying on the sidewalk. She runs out of Planned Parenthood and mm -hmm. says, help. I do not want to do this. We take her to safety to her mother's home, exchange cell phones, give her a yeah. gift for choosing life for her baby, a baby gift, and begin yeah. this process of mentoring her out of this situation. Mm -hmm. I have seen this with my own eyes, guys. These are not yeah. exaggerations. This yeah. is happening in our nation under yeah. our nose. And God forgive us as a church for sitting yes. and listening to our flowery sermons yes. and appearing that this yes. is not taking place under yes. our noses. I am so excited and passionate about what you're, you're doing. Um, and I wish I had so much more time to talk with you. We got to do round two, round three on this, Heather. Okay. Um, good. the church must get involved in this justice must. work. And I want to point you to the websites where you can get connected with the work that Heather and her husband Landon are doing. Uh, you can find their church at mercyculture.com. And it truly is a culture of mercy on every mm -hmm. level. Um, mm -hmm. I, I urge you to go connect with them at mercyculture.com and on their social media platforms and the and justice reform, the justice Reform.com. That is the work that Heather is doing. She's doing these justice runs, raising funds. They're only probably um, scraping the barrel on the funding that they mm -hmm. need right now. There is so much more needed to open these homes. They have gotten resistance from the community. Yeah. I did not have to even time to go into all of that, but they have gotten mm -hmm. resistance from the community. And Heather is a bulldog. She is not backing down. She is not mm -hmm. being bullied by those yeah. that are saying, oh, this isn't going to be good for our community. Yeah. Come on. Anytime we yeah. are um, taking a stand for the least of these and the weak among us, uh, yeah. there this is going to be good for the community. God's blessing is yes. going to fall upon this community right. where these That's residences right. are. And this is what Heather and Landon are doing. And so make sure you get to mercyculture.com and the justice reform.com. Um, Heather, could you just close out with any word of encouragement for the listener and, and maybe a word of prayer as, as we close out the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, I mentioned the spirit of Jezebel earlier, but the Lord has even spoken this year as a, a year of building um, and over mercy culture, a year of expanding territory. She obviously brought me to Nehemiah um, so much within that. Uh, but Nehemiah obviously faced that same spirit, just like Jezebel of Sanballat, Tobias, that brought that yeah. intimidation to yep. stop building, to stop doing what God had called, to stop the work of what God said. And I, I really feel like this is just for the masses of the church right now, coming out of a pandemic and the mm. intimidation that we heard over media, news and social media. And when did we become a people that became so obsessed with comfort and safety? I see all throughout the word of God, God putting men and women of God in impossible missions where safety was not at the forefront. Uh, we also see his disciples, what Peter's saying, I'm going to walk on the water if it's just to be with you, you know, mm. more than most likely, if I'm going to step on water, I'm going to end up drowning. I'm going down. But it was impossible scenarios. It was faith. It was keeping our eyes on him that he's leading and guiding us. And we have to get back to that place mm. as Christians where we stop dreaming dreams that we can do in our own strength. That's not a dream. That's that's an accomplishment to say, look at what I did. Uh, the church has to come back to a place of saying, God, what are your dreams in the earth? And that yes. we should almost be like the fear of the Lord should come upon us as he speaks. And then us just taking each foot forward. And, and there are going to be people around us always that are going to disagree because we carry the name of Jesus. Right. Um, that is part of carrying his name. And so it is an honor to have people come into petition against us. It's an mm -hmm. honor that people would uh, say, what you're doing is this, or to cast lies in newspapers. That's an honor because we yes. carry the name of Jesus. Come on. Us. Yes, sister. And so I uh, just want to encourage anybody out there that is like, man, I wanted to get involved in this injustice realm, but I felt this fear. Or I've had these dreams dreams and I'm going to lose my children if I do. That's a spirit of intimidation that's coming to stop what God has called you as the body of Christ to be a part of the solution. And so, Amen. Lord, right now, I just pray, Lord, for the fear of man to break over the body of Christ. That yes, intimidation, Lord. that spirit of fear that has come to persecute your sons and daughters. Lord, I just pray for liberty and freedom, mm. true liberty and freedom to come upon your sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. And I declare that we would become obsessed about what Isaiah tells us to, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. God, I ask for the supernatural to be released from heaven into your uh, sons and daughters, into the body of Christ, into church leaders again, to be bold and mm. fearless for your name. That same prayer that they prayed in the book of Acts, Lord, when they were already walking in boldness, they prayed again, God, would you make us even more bold? Lord, I pray that over everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, mm. that you would make them bold and that they would fear, not man, not fear culture, not fear the news, not fear the opinions of others, but God, that they would fear your holy name and be obedient and submitted to what your will and your way is in the earth right now. So Lord, we just thank you that you're a God of the impossible. Yes. So Lord, we ask, would you do what only you can do through us in yes, Jesus' Lord. mighty name? Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Folks, this is our heritage from Genesis to Revelation, what Heather has just shared with us. This is our heritage. We serve the God of the impossible and he wants to move mightily through us, but it's going to take us stepping out 
of the boat and crucifying every attempt to cause us to fear. Heather, I love you. I love you deeply. Uh, you are a bulldog. You're a woman after my heart. I cannot wait um, to, to uh, join forces with you in the work and the mission of what you are called to do. Um, I'm called to do the same. And I just pray God's blessing and strength and provision Thank over you. you and your family and your ministry. And I ask everybody to share this, subscribe to the podcast. God bless you all.